Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've been redeemed, you ought to be able to say hallelujah today. Thank God. Speak to us now, O oh Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. For this is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. We are ready for your word. Father, we pray now that you will bless your word as it goes forth. God, do something supernatural today in the preaching and hearing of your word. Someone who hears might hear a word just for them, to encourage them, to inspire them, to run on and see what the end will be. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got a little quiz for you today. It's really not hard, I promise you. There are four pictures that our multimedia team is going to put up, and as they put them up, I want you to not only identify what the object is, but I want you to identify what the main purpose of the object is. Now, everything that we see in life, we may have a secondary purpose for it. We may repurpose it and use it for something other than it was intended. But, but these four items, I want you to look at them and I want you to identify the primary purpose of these items. All right, let's go to the next one. Not hard. Let's go to picture number three. Let's go to picture number four. There you go. Now, now that first picture is a picture of a glass. And, and if, if you use glasses for something other than what they were made for, maybe you use them for decoration or maybe depending on the images that are placed on them, you buy them for souvenirs. But, but a glass is primarily intended to be drank from, right? It, it's, it's intended... Its main purpose is to hold uh, some kind of liquid that you are to drink. Um, the second picture was a fork. And, and a fork is to be used for what? I, I know some of you say, man, stick a fork in it. It's done, right? No, you, you're supposed to use a fork to eat with. That's the main purpose of using a fork. The third item was a coat. And in some parts of the country, we don't wear coats much, but for those of you who do, a coat is to be worn. Its main purpose is to keep you warm when it is cold. The fourth object was a pair of eyeglasses. Now, I know some people wear eyeglasses to look cute and chic and, and all of those things, but, but the purpose of eyeglasses, I mean, they were created not to give you a new look or a new image. When eyeglasses were created, they were created to help people see better. Now, here's a question I have to ask you. When you look at yourself, what is God's purpose for your life? I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that just like that drinking glass was made to be drank from and just like 
that fork was meant to be used to eat with and that coat was meant to be worn when it's cold and eyeglasses, they were meant to be worn by somebody who needed assistance with poor eyesight. I believe you have been created in the image of God and made by God for a specific purpose. Now, here's the truth of the matter. Many of us repurpose ourselves. We find other uses for our life and our living. And because we find other uses for our life and our living, we fail to access all that God has for us. Today, I want to continue our walk in what we have called the Joy Campaign. And the Joy Campaign is our study through the book of Philippians. Our sub-theme for the Joy Campaign is living a joy-filled life in a trouble-filled world. And if we ever needed joy before, we sure do need it now. And today, I want to talk to you from the thought, living God's purpose. Living God's purpose to have a joy-filled life. Learning how to identify and live out God's purpose for your life because my brothers and sisters, just like items, thank you, Lord, have been created with a specific purpose in mind, and when that object is used for that purpose, it fulfills its purpose to its maximum. God has designed you with a specific purpose. Sixteen times in this book of Philippians, the word joy or rejoice or derivative thereof is used. Paul is writing this epistle from a jail. He is literally incarcerated. He is on house arrest. But Paul writes this epistle encouraging the Philippian saints to know that even though he was in prison, even though he was waiting on a trial that could end in the ending of his life, Paul said, you can and I can still have joy. But I want to tell you, we miss the opportunity to experience joy when we fail to focus and live out God's purpose for our lives. I want you to look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. This is a passage that, that we are going to talk about in a verse that we will conclude with today. But, but look at what verse 18 says. But that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Uh, this living out of the joy that he had on the inside. That, that would manifest itself in a kind of uh, cheerfulness, a, a kind of, of gladness. And, and Paul basically uh, shares with us in this passage of Scripture, he shares with us that there is a connection between God's purpose and your joy. That when you learn how to focus on God's purpose and living out God's purpose for your life, you position yourself to experience joy like you never have before. Two things I want you to see today. First, you can rejoice when you focus on God's purpose being fulfilled through your life. You can rejoice when you focus on God's purpose being fulfilled 
through your life. Paul looks at his life. He's talking to these saints uh, for whom he has great love. Those who have shown him great love, they have prayed for him. They have supported him. And and Paul says, I I need you all to know the joy that I have is rooted not in what I am going through, but in what I am seeing God do through what I am going through. I see the purpose of God being fulfilled in my life. Look at A, under one. You can rejoice when you spread the gospel in every circumstance you find yourself in. You can rejoice when the gospel is spread, regardless of what you are going through. When you are a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, either by what you say or by what you show, by what you preach or by how you live. He says when the gospel goes forth, you can rejoice no matter what the circumstance is you find yourself in. Verse 12, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone, verse 13, here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Listen to me carefully. Paul is a prisoner in Rome. He is awaiting trial. He is facing some dark circumstances. They have lied on him. He's being accused of something that he didn't do. But listen, all of us know that a lot of guilty people end up losing their lives because of a corrupt justice system. This system was intent on taking the life of the apostle Paul. And so he's accused of some crimes that he didn't commit. He is on house arrest. And the Bible says after two years of being in prison despite everything that was going on around him the apostle paul saw god doing some great things in his circumstances look at what the text says in verse 12 the end of verse 12 Uh, everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news Um, that word for spread um is a word that is also translated in some places advance. It's a Greek military term. It it refers to the uh, army engineers who go before the troops to open up the way into a new territory. He, he, He finds himself put in a position in a, in a particular predicament that, that is not comfortable, that, that nobody would want to be in, but he sees God doing something extraordinary as he is imprisoned. My brothers and sisters, can I tell you something? God sometimes uses strange tools to result in the gospel being spread. Sometimes God will put you 
in a tough place. Uh, the old folks used to say between a rock and a hard place, between the devil and the deep blue sea. Why? Because being a child of God does not always guarantee you are going to stay out of situations. It is a guarantee that you can get through those situations. And the question is, when you go through, will you go through in a way that brings glory and honor to God? Paul, Paul is sitting there and and, 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 and listen, just like God could use the rod of Moses, just like um, God could use the slingshot of David, just like uh, God could use the pictures of, of Gideon, God could use what the Apostle Paul was going through. The Bible says he was chained. He was chained. He was chained. He was affixed to his uh, captures. And, 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 and in his being chained, uh, here's the image. He's, he's chained, and he's chained to Roman guards. They have him on house arrest. They want to make sure he doesn't get away. But, but here's what Paul did. Uh, what they meant to lock down the gospel became the tool by which the gospel would be released into the Praetorian guard and into the upper echelons of Rome. You see, they were chained to Paul. What, what do you think Paul talked about? <laughs> Paul talked about Jesus. He, he was talking about Jesus. He was talking about Jesus in the morning, <laughs> Jesus in the noonday, Jesus when the sun goes down. He was talking about Jesus. He was like, yeah, I may be locked up, but guess what? You lock with me. What you want to talk about? You don't have nothing to talk about? You're not allowed to talk to me about anything? You sure you don't want to talk to me about anything? Well, I got something to talk to you about. And he starts talking about Jesus. He starts preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation in the Son of God. And then they change ships, and they bring on new guards. And guess what Paul starts doing? He starts talking to them about the gospel. He's not grumbling. He's not complaining. He's not questioning God. He's not whining. He's not murmuring. He's not saying, God, I don't know why you got me in prison, God. He's not saying, God, I don't know why you got me going through this. God said, he's, Paul says, oh, no, no, no. I see God in this because here's what Paul recognized. He had a chance to witness to some people he might not have ever gotten to if it wasn't for the change that were put on him. Lord, have mercy. I need somebody in here. Listen, man, you need to shout right where you are because watch this. Some of the chains that other people have put on you, they may have put it on for their purpose, but God says you can use it for his purpose. What they meant to pull you down, God says, I can use those to lift you up. What they meant to silence you with, God says, I'm going to give you a platform for you to open your mouth and speak for me. I'm going to give you an opportunity if you focus on my purpose for your life. I can make you see good coming out of what was intended to be evil. See, it doesn't matter whether it's persecution or, or failure or financial loss or divorce or bankruptcy or sin or the loss of a loved one or rejection. What the devil meant for evil God can use it for your good and his glory if you focus on his purpose. 
Don't abdicate. Don't abandon his purpose because you're going through a painful situation. God says, no, as a matter of fact, your painful situation just might be the place that my glory needs to show up. He said, you've got to learn how to witness. You've got to learn how to share the gospel. You've got to learn how to share the, the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ, whether you are walking up well or in a bed of affliction, whether you are in the midst of death and dying, facing money problems, abused, persecuted, it doesn't matter. God says, I need to get the glory, and I can only get the glory when you focus and live my purpose. See, if the purpose of God is that all men might be saved, that all might hear the gospel, then the question is, how is it going to be done in and through your life? Um, I was talking to a lady one time, and she said to me, she said, Pastor, she said, I need you to know when I get on a plane, I pray and I ask God, I ask God to make sure I sit next to somebody special. And I said, really? I said, well, what do you, what do you pray? She said, I pray, Lord, put somebody next to me on the plane that either knows you or needs you. Said, if they know you, I know I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord with a brother or sister in Christ. But if they need you, I'm going to share your love with them. She would pray that prayer. And I was like, wow, what a powerful, powerful thought. Because there's really only two kinds of people in the world, right? People who know Jesus and people who need him. Paul says, make Make sure you focus on God's purpose. That, that's what he did. That's, that's how he could say, I, I, I rejoice in, in verse 18. He couldn't rejoice in verse 18 without focusing on God's purpose in verses 12 and 13. But he doesn't stop there. Look at the B part. Paul says you can rejoice when you help the confidence of other believers to grow as you live out God's purpose in your life. You can Rejoice when you help the confidence of other believers grow as you do what God has called you to do. Look at what he says in verse 14. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Now, I want you to think about that. Because it, it almost seems paradoxical. It almost seems like an oxymoron. It's like, wait a minute. Okay, Paul, you are locked up. You are on house arrest. You've been locked up for two years. How do the saints get encouragement from you being locked up? Well, here's what Paul shows us. Uh, his chains not only gave contact with the laws, but his chains also gave courage and confidence to other believers. See, Paul was able uh, to have believers come and share with him. He was, he was able to entertain visitors. They would, they would come and check on him. And, of course, when other believers came, they would talk about Jesus. So, so they, they would hear Jesus again. And, and when they would hear about what was happening, and I'm sure it probably occurred at least once or twice when some, some of the prisoners, uh, of some of the uh, jailers, some of the soldiers, when they testified and they, and they said, man, you know what, Paul, I want to thank you for sharing Jesus with me. Man, my life has never been the same. I can't tell you 
man, God is just doing some great. Can you imagine those soldiers testifying, those guards testifying about what Jesus Christ had done in their life? And, and the Bible says that the other believers gained confidence. They gained courage because they saw not just what Paul was going through, but what God was doing through what Paul was going through. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever seen someone go through something in life and the way they went through it helped you in your walk with God? Maybe they went through illness. Maybe they want, went through financial turmoil. Uh, maybe they went through a tough time in, in, in a family situation. But how they walked through it encouraged you, inspired you. How they went through it strengthened your faith in the Lord. These believers looked at what Paul was going through, and the Bible says they were strengthened. Watch what the text says. The text says uh, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And that word speak doesn't refer to preaching like I'm going to take a Bible and a text and stand up in a pulpit. Yeah, there are a whole lot of people who are galloping to be up in the pulpit. No, no, no. This passage is talking about everyday conversation. Everywhere they went, everybody they talked to, uh, Christ and the message of Jesus was infused in their conversation. And the Bible says, the gospel was spread by these encouraging words. Look at Acts 28, beginning at verse 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul's dynamic witness resulted in converts not only in the imperial guard, but in the palace of Rome, everywhere his converts went, they carried the gospel message with them. Everybody he talked to, he inspired, despite the fact that he was in chains, because he knew his chains couldn't lock the gospel down. His chains released the gospel to go all throughout Rome. See, you got to remember when, when Paul... Uh, first thought about Rome, he wanted to go to Rome to preach, but he ended up going as a prisoner, but being a prisoner did not stop him from spreading the word. And Paul could rejoice because he saw what God was doing through his life. Can I, can I tell you something? So many times in life, we fail to be able to see in a way that causes us to rejoice what we're going through because all we're doing is looking at ourselves and we don't look at the residual benefit for other people. I asked you to think for a moment about somebody whose life you looked at, you observed, you saw what they went through, they went through it, giving God the glory and the praise and it strengthened your faith in the Lord. Now let me ask you another question. Is there anybody who has been watching you live life? who could be encouraged and inspired by how you've been living your life? 
not in the absence of challenges, but in the midst of challenges. You've been showing people how to live. Look at Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Here's the second and final thing. Number two, you can rejoice when you focus on God's program being accomplished regardless of who gets the credit. Yeah, you can rejoice when you focus on God's program being accomplished regardless of who gets the credit. Now, remember what I told you. When you focus on God's program, focus on God's purpose for your life, you can rejoice. But what about what somebody else is doing? Listen, that's none of my business. However God chooses to use somebody else, Here's my focus. Is God's will being done? Is God's purpose being done? Look at verse 15. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. Look at what Paul says. Some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. Jealousy and rivalry of who? Of Paul. They they were jealous, man. Listen, they're hearing about this member of the Sanhedrin who had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, who has now been converted, and God is using him in a powerful way. You, You think everybody was excited about that? Listen, there were some haters who were in their flesh. And they heard about the results that Paul was having. They they heard about the favorable attention that he was getting. They they heard about the support and loyalty that he was getting from other believers. They heard about his letters being read in every province wherever he wrote and wherever he sent a letter. Man, they had problems with that. Now, now listen, they're still preachers. They're still preachers, and I might need to put a quarter in the meter and park there for a minute because it's important for everybody to know just because somebody has been called to preach the Word of God, just because they have been gifted to preach the Word of God doesn't mean they are above sin. 
And especially when we talk about the sins of jealousy and envy and, 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 and anger and those kinds of things, right? The Bible says that, that these other preachers of the gospel, they preach the right gospel for the wrong motive. Some of them preach to try to make Paul look bad. Some of them preached in order to make themselves look better. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters? I, I've got to tell you, I believe the number one sin that plagues the body of Christ is envy. Not jealousy where I'm guarding what I have, but envy when I want and covet what God is doing in your life. And I can't celebrate what God is doing in your life for wanting what God is doing in your life. Paul was dealing with some, some envious preachers, but, but, but here's, here's, here's the cool thing. I mean, man, I love how Paul responds to this. Paul is like, whatever. Paul's like, man, look, they can be preaching for the right reason. They could be preaching for the wrong reason. They can preach because they love me. They can preach because they hate on me. But guess what? As long as they preach in the gospel and people come into Christ, it's all good. So let me say two things. One, for those of you who may be wrestling with the sin of envy, and, and I'm feeling led. Let me stop here for a minute. I've got a minute. Let me, let me tell you how you know you're dealing with envy. When you look at somebody else in a position and say, not only I could do it, but I should be doing it, and why are they there, and why am I not there? God, what are you doing? I can preach as good as, I can sing as good as, if not better, in my own opinion. And when you start, my brothers and sisters, envying what God is doing in somebody else, the Bible says you are walking in sin. So, who are you envying? Are you envying anybody? Or are you envying anybody? And, and watch this. Who's envying you? Because if there's some folk envying you, guess what? You need to have the opinion of, you know what? Man, I, I'm not even going to lower myself. What did First Lady Obama say? When they go low, we go high. If somebody's hating on you and they're taking up time, energy, and effort, to try to throw salt on you. Listen, the only question is, is God getting the glory? Get out of yourself and get in God and identify if God's purpose is being fulfilled in and through your life. See, see that's one of the signs of spiritual maturity. When you can handle a hater in a way that honors God, because God's will was being done, even if it was not being done with the right motives. Here's the challenge we have, support each other. The challenge we have is to love each other, and the challenge we have, if we are going to be able to rejoice in every circumstance, is to learn how to see God's will being done wherever we are and in the midst of whatever we're going through. Can I make sure God gets the glory in it all? 
1 Corinthians 4, beginning at verse 1, says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. Here's what it says. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Can I tell you something? It's a challenge to focus on God's purpose for your life when you make your ego and who you are your priority. You've got to focus on God. And you've got to learn how to say, God, is your will being done? God, are you being glorified? Because I certainly don't want to do anything that is going to take away glory that really belongs to you. See, if it was about Paul, Paul would have been walking around talking, about, man, I can't believe them guys are talking about me. I can't believe. You know what? You, you make sure you go and see him and tell him, keep my name out of their mouth. Paul said, I ain't, I ain't worrying about that. Paul said, are they preaching? Are they preaching Jesus? Whether they like me or love me, it doesn't matter. Whether they hate me or dislike me, it doesn't matter as long as the gospel is going forth. And I want to encourage somebody today, if you are going to find the joy that God has for you, stop focusing on you and focus on God's purpose being accomplished in you and through you. Stop focusing on other people and make sure God's purpose is being done in your life. Paul teaches us his purpose can be accomplished when you're in a predicament that you don't want to be in. His purpose can be accomplished when chains are on you, whether those chains are physical, in his instance, or maybe for you they're emotional, mental, or spiritual. Paul says you can still experience joy because watch this. The presence or absence of chains in your life, the presence or absence of a tough situation in your life doesn't have the power to take away your joy. When you focus on God and his will and his purpose being accomplished, you can rejoice in the midst of whatever you go through. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word, and I pray that your word has found fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people. I pray, God, that as your spirit has ministered to your people, that good seed has found good soil, and it would result in great fruit being produced in our lives. Somebody right now, under the sound of my voice, God is going through some tough times and difficult situations, and they have used that as an excuse to be bitter instead of get better. They have used the metaphorical, figurative chains in their lives to hold them down instead of lift them up. And I pray, God, that they would focus on your will being done and your purpose being accomplished. We love you and we ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're watching today, uh, you've had opportunities to 
make a decision to change your life. I want you to know that God loves you so much. He loves you where you are, but he loves you so much. He doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life if you will let him. It's not about religion. It's not about rituals or routines. It's about a relationship. God who loves you and will find you where you are, take you from where you are to where you need to be, and never tell anybody where he found you. Just make something beautiful out of your life. If you're watching today and you'd like to become a member of our church, um, please just let us know. Send us an email. If you'd like to become part of our virtual church family, we would love to help facilitate your discipleship on this virtual platform. And if you need Jesus in your life, you've never asked the Lord Jesus into your life, you want to become a Christian, you want to be saved, I want to lead you in this prayer of salvation. Uh, it's a very simple prayer, uh, but it's a very powerful prayer. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, Romans chapter 10, and believe in your heart, God has raised them from the dead. You shall be saved. And, and I believe with all of my heart, if you pray this prayer and pray it sincerely, that you can ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life right now, that you can be saved right now. Not perfect, saved. Not sinless, saved. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. That your relationship with God is secure. So if you need to pray this prayer, I want you to join me. I'm going to pray it, and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Uh, it's a very simple prayer, but this prayer of salvation, you might have heard some refer to it as a sinner's prayer. It's a prayer that we believe articulates all that the gospel calls for and demands to get you started on your walk with God. Repeat after me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I want to turn away from my sinful life. I want to live the life you have planned for me. Please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my past make me new I believe your son Jesus Christ died for me and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead at this very moment I accept confess and proclaim Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior to live in my heart from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace that has saved me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe if you prayed that prayer by faith, that you are part of the family of God. Here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you. Go to our website, goodhope.org, and click on the link 
that says, I just accepted Christ, now what? There are five steps, five things that we want to encourage you to do is as you begin your walk with the Lord. And I believe these five things will get you started with where you need to be. Now, I need you to know discipleship is a process. It's not just an event. So we want to help you and walk with you through this journey. Listen, before we celebrate the Lord's Supper and sing happy birthday to everybody, I want to take this opportunity to encourage you to give. You've had an opportunity to worship the Lord in giving throughout this broadcast. You've seen scrolling. If you'd like to give a number, you could text the word give to. There are seven ways that you can give here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. And I know somebody may be asking, Pastor, how do you come up with so many ways to give? Well, see, I got to thank, I have to thank our millennials and our Gen Zers because they would complain because they were like, Pastor, you know, I don't carry cash. And so I want to worship the Lord in giving, but you don't have what I use to give. And it's like, okay, well, what do you use? I, I, I use cash apps. So it was like, well, okay, no problem. We want to make it easy for you to obey the Lord. Somebody else said, well, you know what, Pastor? I, I don't use cash app. I use Apple Pay. It, it, we got you covered now. We got you covered with Apple Pay. Google Pay, we got you covered. Every way you want to give, you can give and be a blessing to the body of Christ. Part of your giving goes to support the various ministry efforts here at our church, including um, our food pantry. That work has become vital vital to the survival of families here in the Houston metropolitan area. Thousands of people are fed every week through our partnership with the food pantry and our volunteers that come out. Um, they pack up the food, they get it ready for them, and then we give it out uh, every Wednesday and we bless families with it. And I cannot tell you the kind of testimonies that we have gotten back regarding this kingdom work and it's all possible because of the work that you do and the giving that you do so i want to say thank you to our members to our friends those of you who are watching who just said hey pastor i want to be part of the kingdom work i want to support what you're doing thank you so much because i want you to know your giving makes a difference let's prepare now to worship the lord around the lord's supper table get your elements out those of you who have picked up your communion uh, packets um, pull them out right now those of you who are doing your own communion uh, bread and fruit of the vine and you have put it together gather your family around I want to really applaud those of you who are leaders in your household, those of you who have family members. You are functioning as the priest and prophet in your home. And I just want to thank God for you, praise God for you, that you're able to come together and celebrate together. Let's ask God's blessings upon the unleavened bread of the fruit of the vine. We're going to sing a little bit, and then we're going to worship the Lord around the Lord's Supper table. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, this opportunity to celebrate uh, the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine that represents your body and blood that was shed for us. We pray now that you would forgive us of our sins, that our worship around this table might be acceptable in your sight. We give you glory because you sacrificed for us so that we could know you in the pardon of our sins. 
So bless our worship now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The blood.